The Living Traditions Festival is back Friday, May 17th through Sunday, May 19th at Washington Square Park in downtown Salt Lake City. You will find a global food court, live music, performances, art, workshops, Bohemian Brewery, and stuff for kids. Full disclosure, this is my favorite Salt Lake Festival. For details and to see the full program, visit livingtraditionsfestival.com or find them on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. Here's what Salt Lake's talking about. Homelessness is one of our most critical issues. And in recent years, camp abatements have become a controversial public-facing response to it. It can be an upsetting process for everyone involved, the government workers and contractors enforcing it, and especially for the people trying to collect their belongings and find somewhere else to sleep for the night. When I asked Mayor Erin Mendenhall about abatements a few months ago, she said, you should ask the executive director of the Salt Lake County Health Department about that. So we did. It's Tuesday, July 18th. I'm Ali Vallarta. And this is CityCast Salt Lake. Dr. Angela Dunn, Executive Director of the Salt Lake County Health Department. We recently received data from the point-in-time count showing that homelessness is up in Salt Lake County and the rest of the state. How do you think about homelessness in this county from a public health perspective? Oh, man, Um, that is a great question because homelessness actually requires a public health approach to address. And what that means, it doesn't mean that Salt Lake County Health Department solves the homelessness problem. A public health approach is taking a really holistic look at the problem from beginning to end and ensuring that we have enough resources to address all the points in the process. So something like homelessness really does take looking at upstream interventions to prevent people from being at risk for homelessness all the way to what I'm sure we'll talk about are our camp cleanups, our camp abatements. It's a multidisciplinary, multi-sector approach that requires coordination and collaboration with businesses, um, public health, elected officials, um, social service agencies, behavioral health. I mean, the list goes on. So when I think about homelessness as an issue, it is definitely um, a public health priority, a public health issue, but it will not be solved alone by a government public health department. What are some of those specific health concerns related to homelessness? I mean, homelessness, as I think we we are all recognizing more and more, unfortunately, has impacts on the individual who is experiencing homelessness, their families, their loved ones, and then, of course, our communities. So when we look at the individual experiencing homelessness, there's, there's clearly a gap in the system that this person fell through, whether it was being exposed to adverse childhood events that maybe put them at higher risk for for substance use disorder or mental health disorders, to what's going on immediately um, in terms of rising health housing costs, potentially losing their job and not being able to afford rent and, and getting kicked out of their place, leading to homelessness. So that person is really the center of everything we think about in terms of homelessness but in that public health approach, we do have to expand our vision and look at the larger community and the environment. And so we want to make sure that all of our public spaces are safe for everybody to enjoy. Um, and sometimes homelessness can can make people feel unsafe or actually be unsafe 
if there's things like human waste or needles um, or other dangerous debris. So those health impacts kind of start with the individual and and go all the way out to the community. Well, on that note, one area where the health department is involved in homelessness is camp abatements, which you mentioned. It's when officials clean up and shut down an area where unsheltered people have been living. A lot of members of the public refer to them as sweeps. But first of all, I'm interested to know why this is within the county health department's purview. Yeah. I mean, when I started at the health department two years ago, this is something that was new to me. And I really had to understand our responsibility, our authority, and what was driving this. And ultimately, it comes down to um, statute. So we are required by state statute to protect the environment and human health throughout our county. And so the authority to ensure that an environment is safe for people to enjoy lies within the Salt Lake County Health Department. And so we work really closely with cities and property owners when they have an issue where they feel like there's a large amount of people experiencing homelessness on their property that's infringing on that safety, they contact us to help them through that. You know, I will say, though, that since I've started, um, we have really worked on taking a more proactive approach and encouraging our partners to do that. That means that, for example, Salt Lake City, of course, is is one of our biggest partners because that is where we are seeing um, the majority of our persons experiencing homelessness and We now have a process with Salt Lake City where they actually have now a rapid intervention team that works to address the encampments before they become a public health concern. So so most of the, quote, abatement abatement activities that you guys are seeing are, are not really health department actions. We only come in when they're so large that they require, for example, like a front loader to get the debris off the side of the foothills so that it's not a fire hazard. Hmm. So we have been really working with the city to have this rapid intervention team. And what that includes, which I think is so important, is it includes social services going out there for several weeks or days ahead of time saying, here are some services that are eligible, that you're eligible for that may help you, you know, do you want them? Um, And so taking that social services first approach for me is so important before, you know, telling people that they have to move on from, from where they've been sleeping. Do you remember the first abatement that you attended? Yeah, I went to um, one on the Jordan River and it was right in the backyard of my old stomping grounds, the Utah Department of Health. Um, That camp had, from what I hear, had been there for a while, and they were right along the river, lots of people. Um, And there was a lot of collaboration between the city and the county and also the advocates for the unsheltered population, which I think is so important as well. So there were volunteers there working with the individuals experiencing homelessness to help them move their property, to help them get it all cleaned up. What I saw was dumpsters being filled, truck truckloads being filled and taking to the dumpster of debris. And if you think about it, that was right on the Jordan River. And, and that goes into, of course, larger bodies of water. And so it, from that environmental health perspective, it really hit home that, wow, this, this could be a huge danger to our environment and also human health. But then also the individuals living on the side of the Jordan River were not living in, of course, clean space either. So seeing both the environmental side and the human side of that hit home. But what I was impressed with was the amount of collaboration um, between all the parties involved. So I know that that doesn't always happen. So I happen to be there on a good day um, when there wasn't any drama. Um, But I think that proves that it is possible and that we can do this in a very thoughtful way. But 
Nobody in the health department loves abatements. My team isn't excited to do this. My team knows that it's the kind of last ditch effort and it's the end of the line in terms of, quote, addressing the homelessness problem. We all want more resources going upstream so that we have less and less huge camps to clean up because people aren't homeless. Nobody's excited to to go out there and um, see see our community, see our neighbors in this state and um, have to tell them that they have to sleep somewhere else that night. Well, you mentioned that, like, for example, in the relationship between Salt Lake County and Salt Lake City, the city is... It sounds like, and if I'm misunderstanding, please correct me, the city has been taking the lead on more proactively determining when an abatement is needed and handling that itself, and then the county steps in when it might be a larger camp or a bigger process. Is that correct? So how often is the county health department conducting an abatement versus the Salt Lake City rapid response team? Oh, that is a great question that I don't have specific numbers for you. Our Salt Lake City team and the Salt Lake County Health Department team meet every Friday to go through where they've seen um, camps starting up, how the rapid intervention has gone, gone, and where they think one is so big that we need to go out and take a look at it. What are some of the indicators that you're looking for in that weekly meeting to determine when an area needs to be abated? When we look at the different camps that kind of pop up, um, one thing we look at is how long the camp has been there, right? So we know that the longer people are in um, the environment, sleeping and living, they're more likely to have dangerous debris around them and um, in those public spaces as well. And also the size. So how many people are actually living in the space? And then the other thing we look at is, is it a danger to public health? And that's something where we come in with our subject matter expertise to understand the urgency, and if it's there, to actually clean up the camp. So things like fire hazard, is it next to watershed areas that ultimately go into our water and drinking system? Is it next to public parks or in a public park where, for example, kids are having soccer games on the weekend? So we come in with that public health perspective. Is it really a public health urgency to have this camp move somewhere else and have us clean it up? The other thing we look at are Are there beds available in our shelters? And then what's the weather like? So during the winter, this becomes a huge deal because, of course, we don't want to displace individuals if they're warm and safe in their tents, for example, and there's no shelter space uh, and the temperatures are going to still be really cold. We wouldn't want to move them and have them go somewhere else because it would be a danger to their own health. So it's always that balance between the health and the well-being of the individuals in the camp versus the public health Um, urgency of cleaning it up. Whenever posture comes up in conversation, we all do that thing where we immediately sit upright and pull our shoulders back. Did you do it just now? I did a movement session with Chandler at Embodied Patients, and after a few gentle corrections, I was surprised to find sitting up straight is incredibly easy. Chandler's practice combines over a decade of study in yoga, Pilates, and the Alexander Technique. So why should you invest in your posture? Let's start with the link between better posture and better breathing. Whether you're returning to activity from an injury, looking to manage pain, or just have the sense things could be a little easier, Chandler will teach you to create sustainable movement habits so that you can enjoy the things you love for longer. Maybe that's running marathons. Maybe it's walking the dog. 
Visit embodiedpatients.com to book a session with Chandler and give yourself the gift of your own attention. Spring is when leases expire, and if you're looking for a new or better apartment situation, here's the scoop at Ico Fort Union. Fort Union is Ico's newest build in Cottonwood Heights off 1300 East and 6720 South. And as they say in real estate, location, location, location. Ico Fort Union puts you 10 minutes from the mouth of Big Cottonwood Canyon and central to all the Fort Union shops and restaurants. But the complex is located on a dead end street, so you get peace. Ico Fort Union offers studio, one, two, and three bedroom apartment homes, plus these very cool three bedroom work live apartments. So if you're starting something new, you can live above your business space. Amenities include a pet spa, a spin loft, a bike hub, and EV charging stations. And they are signing leases right now. So visit liveatfortunion.com for a tour. I mean, the biggest problem having witnessed an abatement and you yourself have as well is that it seems like the abatement itself is really damaging to the health and well-being of the folks who are living in that space. Like they're just they're horribly traumatic for everyone involved. Folks have to pack up and move their whole lives somewhere else. And often things are lost in in abatements. Like yep. they're just they're physically and mentally taxing. And um there was a large abatement in Salt Lake City just this past week during this heat wave that we're in, which is, you know, inclement weather. Mm-hmm. If if these have to happen for public health reasons, how can they happen better? I definitely agree with everything you said. And I think that goes to my previous comment that this is not something the health department enjoys doing. It's a have to do when it becomes a public health urgency to protect the health and environment of everybody using that space. So abatements won't improve unless we have more resources for individuals currently experiencing homelessness, things like not requiring them to, you know, be off substances before they seek services, um, having additional shelters where they can be with their animals, because we know that that can be a limitation if they have to give up their animal. Um, I think there's a lot of resources outside of the actual abatements that if we had them, it might make it I don't want to say easier, but it might make it, I guess, more tolerable if we had better and more resources and more options to provide to the individuals that are part of those camps. Ultimately, we need to also invest in our upstream resources and prevention and ensuring our communities are safe and can thrive, that we have good options for employment and education and access to physical and mental health and early childcare that is outstanding so that parents can go to work and that kids can learn how to read. I mean, all of those things link directly in to homelessness. So when we invest in social services, we will limit the number of people who end up experiencing homelessness among other social impacts. I mean, as just a bystander from a public health perspective, I've always wondered why the government doesn't provide like toilets and dumpsters at encampments to keep the area clean. It seems like it would be a way of mitigating the need to abate or at least prolonging an abatement. Is that something the county could do, like just fund toilets and dumpsters in those areas? 
Yeah, you know, we've talked about this since I've gotten here, and apparently we've done that in the past. Um, and that doesn't mean we shouldn't revisit it. But um, when we've provided dumpsters in the past, people end up not throwing away things. They end up using it as a place to get more stuff. In the cases that I became aware of, actually became a fire hazard because it just ended up being a place to actually have more things. Um, so not an actual effective way to keep camps a little cleaner. And then the toilet situation is just so hard because we we know, and this doesn't just happen in Utah, it happens across the country, that when we provide restrooms, it's not just providing the restroom. It actually requires a, a lot of security as well because there are instances where people use the restrooms to do other things, right? Like drugs or other illicit things. But then there's also the vulnerability of um, taking advantage of other people in the restrooms as well. So they do become a security concern. When I said this was a multi-sector, multidisciplinary approach, it's going to require private companies that own the honey bucket, right, to help us. And then fig- we have to figure out a way to not damage their property so that they're willing to continue working with us. So it's like your comment is like spot on, right? It seems so obvious, but then you like actually put it into practice and it's it just gets so complex. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't try. It's just... It's just not as easy as it seems on the surface. Well, and on that note, it feels like Salt Lake City is about to explore something that might be a little bit similar, which is sanctioned camping, which I think to a lot of people feels like sort of an obvious solution. And we're about to find out exactly how it comes together in this city. The The council just marked $500,000 during its recent budgeting process to support some form of sanctioned camping, either within the city limit or elsewhere, which basically you know, just means people can camp and it won't be illegal and they won't be moved from their camping spot. It's something the state has also expressed interest in, which I think is interesting. What is your take on sanctioned camping from a health perspective? Yeah, I mean, there have been a lot of different models and it's with mixed results. From my perspective, there's not like very clear evidence that it's the best practice or the worst practice. So When we get the lead from our elected officials and um, our policymakers, if they're willing to actually invest the political capital, the social capital, and the financial capital into giving it a good shot, it's essential that public health is at the table to ensure that the individuals there are safe and that the environment continues to be safe to ensure maximum effectiveness. So I would hate for it to happen without public health input. And then everybody says, oh, it didn't work because the park was ruined. But if we're at the table from the beginning, we can help mitigate some of those um, potential hazards early on in in the setup of it to help it be as successful as it possibly can. I mean, if the goal is for you and I to never have to talk about abatements again, do you think it can, it's a good solution from a preventative standpoint? Um, it definitely could be. We're not going to have every individual experiencing homelessness want to be in a sanctioned camp. There's definitely people out there, and I've talked with them, that prefer the solitude, and that's why they're out there. So we're not going to get everyone. Some risks um, that we just need to make sure we consider is that it can become it can become risky for the individuals living there because you're basically putting a very vulnerable pa- population in one spot. Think drugs, think trafficking. So again, that planning and setup is so essential into assuring that it'll be effective from a security standpoint and from a um, support standpoint. It's not just saying, hey guys, everybody come live here. Isn't it great? You have running water. It really does take uh, the whole community to come together to be committed to making sure it's a safe and, and healthy environment for the people living there. I guess, in summary, it can be effective, 
but it's going to take a lot of will and effort from our community to make that happen. Well, I mean, you've brought up coordinating multiple partners a lot in this conversation. And over the past few years, there has been a lot of discussion about the role of each level of government in addressing homelessness. For example, Salt Lake City Mayor Erin Mendenhall sees the city's role, she told us in an interview, as convening, funding, and land use. Salt Lake County Health has, you know, a health and human services mandate. What is the Salt Lake County Health Department's role in addressing homelessness? Currently, our main role is the environmental health aspect, right? So the abatements, ensuring that we protect the health and environment of both the individuals experiencing homelessness and those that are impacted by the camps. But that is not how we do public health. So I would love to have the resources to ensure that we're preventing homelessness as well. So we are currently in our highest risk cities across the county, working with the communities to identify their priorities and create a safer thriving community that will ultimately lead to less homelessness within that community as well. That's everything from what I mentioned before, you know, ensuring access to mental health to ensuring safe streets and um, access to fresh fruits and vegetables and childhood literacy. Um, so that holistic approach in terms of well-being um, is something we have a stronghold on. But to bring it to the homeless population specifically, it would be great to have kind of that secondary prevention in terms of access to substance use treatment, access to mental health treatment, so that people who are already kind of on that road to high risk can have those prevention factors in place that will prevent them from actually losing a roof over their head. Currently, we're not engaged in that space. Um, we're not set up with behavioral health. That's not where our um, health department is, but um, we're constantly working with the rest of the county to figure out how to, how do we bridge that gap between the like way upstream prevention efforts of a healthy community to abatements, what's in between there? What about the people who have already kind of raised their hand and said, I have risk factors. I haven't been able to hold a steady job. I have substance use disorder. How do we help those people in, in that circle? And there's a lot of great initiatives going on, but would love the health department to be more involved in that. Or I'm being priced out of my home and I don't have a choice. I am working every day. Absolutely, right? And that's, I mean, that's, of course, what we're finding right now is the issue, is that individuals are one medical bill away from losing their home. And looking towards our policies in terms of renters' rights, for example, um, are there things we can do in that space? Again, that would be that at-risk population to, to help cocoon them a little better. And so I know there's great minds thinking, thinking that through right now. Um, so we just got to figure out how to get public health to the table. Well, you are a great mind, and you are our chief health officer. Are there policies or interventions you would recommend to Salt Lake County policymakers? We work with Salt Lake County policymakers all the time on, on health policy. And some current things we're looking at are access to treatment. So how do we improve access to substance use and mental health treatment across our county? And that's everything from, of course, cost to treatment to training more providers, but also bringing treatment to people so that they're not required to go into a scary clinic to, to really get their treatment. I mean, we are looking at, we as society, as county, as city, are building more affordable housing and, and people more skilled in, in real estate are doing that. But how do we ensure that the individuals that are in these new affordable housing units can keep them? if they miss one month's rent, for example, right? So all those protections we had during COVID really proved to help a lot of people. 
can we continue it? And what would it look like? What would that take? Some of the gaps we know we have in our in our county, access to really good childcare so that parents can go to work and kids can get um, the education they need. We know that early childhood care and education is essential for kids to be able to read and stay in school and you know get jobs when they're older. And so looking at those um, upstream community impact interventions are part of this conversation as well. So you can tell it becomes very overwhelming <laughs> when I list all those things. But it's true. It is. It's all part of addressing homelessness. Dr. Angela Dunn, Executive Director of the Salt Lake County Health Department, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It's been great. Thanks for talking about this topic. It's really important. We are in a mayoral election year here in Salt Lake City, and there's a good chance you would like to know where the current candidates stand on the issue of homelessness. I interviewed all three candidates separately on this one topic, diving deep into things like abatements, sanctioned camping, public restrooms, and their philosophy on the city's role in solving our homelessness crisis. I encourage you to listen to those episodes if you haven't. I linked all three for you in the show notes. That is all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Thank you for listening. We will be back tomorrow morning with more from around this city. Bye. Bye.